I'm Kim. And I'm Tara. Welcome to Unapologetically You. Guys, if you haven't already listened to the episode called Peace, Love, Happiness, and Trauma, go back and listen to it now. Because today's guest is Lexi, and she's the daughter of our previous guest, Lana. Lexi's story is unbelievable. She is a rape survivor, a mental health advocate, and a single young mother to a five-year-old boy. Lexi's story is definitely hard to hear, but it's exactly what this podcast is about. We hope it will encourage you to push forward despite the cards you've been dealt. Please be sure to subscribe and rate us on whatever platform you use. Stay tuned for Lexi's story. Welcome, Lexi. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, thank you for having me. So your mom was actually the second guest on our show, and you had reached out shortly afterwards asking to share your story, which is honestly so courageous. We're so thankful that you were willing to yeah, do that. Yeah, no, I'm super excited. It was definitely motivating to see my mom sharing her story, and I thought it'd kind of be cool to get two perspectives on some of the same stuff and then, you know, my own stuff too. So sure. Your mom's story was life altering and we know your own story has quite a few ups and downs as well. So why don't we start off with a little family background from you? So I have my mom. Um, so it was kind of her and I from the very beginning. My dad died when my mom was pregnant with me. And in my little brain, um, you know, my young brain, I had, you know, just, it was just my mom and I. And then pretty shortly after that, um, Jeff came into the picture and they had my brother. And I have pretty like early memories of having Jeff around, but I always kind of remember like my mom always told me, you know, you have like a father and a dad, like a father in heaven and a dad here, you know, and Jeff adopted me shortly after that, which was really cool. And so I've always, that's kind of been like my home family dynamic. I didn't find out like how my dad died until like way later and stuff. Well, yeah, I can imagine as a kid, I'm sure your mom probably protected you from that a little bit. Yeah, totally. For those of you that are listening that haven't listened to Lana's story, go back, listen to Lana's story so that you can kind of listen to this and, and hear it from a different perspective. But your dad had committed suicide, correct? Yeah. So my mom was seven months pregnant with me. Um, So like I said, growing up, I always knew, you know, I had a father in heaven and mom always just told me he got sick. He got sick in his head. And um, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't really question it. And then I was in fourth grade and I was very persistent. I was very headstrong. And I came home sick from school one day and I was like, I want to know how my dad died. Tell me. Wow. And so my mom, spur of the moment, was like, okay, do I tell her? Do I not? And she told me, and I respect her so much for telling me. But at 10 is when I really started, like, I guess develop, that's when, like, I started developing, like, anxiety and depression and things like that because I was like, you know, like, my dad left me. Right. That was a really, really hard thing to deal with. You know what I mean? And I was, like, 10, and so I was going through you know, with Jeff, well, you're not my dad. And, you know, just kind of like all the emotions kind of came out. And it lasted like a few, a good few years before I was able to like, really settle things down with Jeff and be like, okay, you know what? No, you are my dad. You are who raised me. You are who I respect. That sort of thing. It just, but in my like young brain, it took a while for that. You know, it was more like, it just hit me and it felt like it had just happened. Like, my dad had, at that point had been dead for 10 years already, but to me, it felt like it had just happened because right. well, you found out about exactly what happened, right? Yeah. And it made it different, you know? Yeah. Because even as a 10, 12 year old, I mean, like the fact that you were able to kind of come to that conclusion already that like Jeff did raise your, your, your dad essentially did raise you, even though he wasn't your birth dad. That's something that takes people sometimes in their twenties to get to that, you know, like, yeah, no, exactly. You resolved all of that in your own head. 
but you recognize already at that point there was a little bit of depression and anxiety that young at a, at a 10 years old. Yeah, it's crazy to think about. So like if I think of that time when I was 10, that was the first time I had suicidal thoughts. I remember like sitting in my closet and I was just sitting there in the dark closet and I just remember thinking like, I just want to die. And it, it was such a scary feeling. It was so conflicting to me. I was so angry at my dad for dying the way he did and like leaving me in my mind is how it felt at that time. And it just like made me not want to be here, which was like so conflicting, like I said, you know, and I never told anybody about those thoughts. I just kind of, I internalized them. And uh, my mom put me in therapy, got diagnosed with bipolar at 12, which is like super young for that, but got diagnosed. And so I've been on meds for that ever since. And I've been in therapy since I was like nine or 10. So anytime I find myself getting lost or, you know, having these like really deep, serious feelings, I'm like, wow, I haven't been to therapy recently. Like, yeah, for sure. So when you got diagnosed with bipolar, like, did you notice a difference in yourself once going on the meds? Or was that something that like your mom helped kind of recognize that like you were better taking the meds that you were getting better? Did you see that in yourself though too? Not at first, to be honest, like... So I'm 23 now. I got put on meds when I was 12. I've been on meds for 11 years. And honestly, I haven't felt that my meds were exactly where they needed to be until this year. Oh, wow. Yeah. So then when you were when you were a kid and taking the medicine, were you not you just weren't feeling like it was helping? Yeah, I mean, I kind of went back and forth. I had a love hate relationship with medication when I was younger, because I felt like I was going through a lot of like trial and error. And I just never felt better. But I also at the same time was juggling a lot in my like teenage years. So I went from like finding out my dad died when I was like 10. And then um, so that made middle school kind of hard, right? And then I became a freshman in high school. And I kind of found my niche. I was a cheerleader. I didn't love school, but I loved being at school because of friends and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and shortly after that, I ended up getting raped. And I, I didn't talk about it at all. Um, I told like, I think a couple of friends and then uh, that was really it. Uh, I didn't tell my mom. I just kind of went with the flow, you know, but then things started feeling a little bit like heavier, you know, and I was kind of going through a point in time where like, I didn't know how to handle anything that I was feeling. Sure. So I was really angry, really anxious, and just overall really sad and depressed, you know, just crying a lot and things like that. And then I was you know, acting up at home and things like that and giving my parents hell because I didn't feel good. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't right. And I was going through stuff and I wasn't communicating with them why I was feeling this way. So they were in a point of like, Lexi just hates us. And I was in a point of like, I hate the world. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, so how old were you when that happened? I was 14. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So the person that raped you, was that somebody that you knew and you knew well, or was that, was that somebody that was not in your circle? So we were actually like, we had been dating for like three months at the time. He was a year older than me and I don't know what happened, but I woke up in the middle of the night and he was like trying to initiate stuff. And I said, no, he did it anyway. And I just remember like crying the whole time. And I was like, I just remember thinking like, why is he doing that if I'm crying? You know, but I didn't really know how to put that into words. I just kind of like laid there. There was no fight. I literally just laid there and just accepted it because I was like, what is happening? You know, I was just more confused. Well, you're 14 too. Yeah. It's your boyfriend. So like everything that we've ever been taught is like, oh, this is your boyfriend. He loves you. Like, this is the relationship and this is like at some point right. it's like oh I said I mean I I hear that like I hate when people talk about like rape culture just in general and they're like well did they put up a fight did they this like did they just that's not the point of it all 
Right. And that's why that's why I talk about the details of it and kind of how it happened, because I feel like a lot of people have similar stories and they feel they're not validated or they feel that it wasn't what it was because of the way they responded to it. Yeah. You know, and so there was like probably a year and a half that went by before I had actually accepted that it was like I could call it rape with it being rape and it not being like, oh, you know, that was just my boyfriend. So it was okay. Or, you know, well, I didn't. I didn't get up and freak out. So mm-hmm. it was okay. You know what I mean? Right. Like pretty shortly after that, um, I was raped again at a house party when I was 15, almost 16. Oh and that was someone else. It was pretty crazy. I woke up in the middle of it and it was like five in the morning and I'd been drinking at the party the night before. So again, I talk about these stories for people who maybe were like drinking at the party and this happened too, and they feel like it's their fault. Cause you know, I went through all those feelings too. I now know obviously it wasn't, it wasn't my fault, but uh, anyway, so I woke up like five in the morning, told me to get off me. I called my mom and I'm sure that was like the most heartbreaking call for her ever because I literally was just like half awake. And I was like, mom, I just got raped. Come pick oh. me up. Had you told your mom about the first encounter yet at this point? or was that still no okay I don't remember most of that night he put like sleeping pills in my drink when I woke up I was still very very like dazed confused like I didn't have any recollection of like physically what had happened I just knew that it had happened because I woke up with him like right there you know like on top but that was all I had a recollection of I didn't have a recollection of it starting of the middle of it I just knew the ending and then the rest of the night it's kind of like bits and pieces the biggest part I have flashbacks about is so my mom took me to the hospital right away and they did a rape kit and I think that was the most traumatic part of all of it because that's the part that I like really have like visuals of you know yeah yeah so I I think that's the hardest part like when I think of like the flashbacks because I've I've been diagnosed with PTSD since this happened when I I have flashbacks of the rape kit for sure I think that was the hardest part my mom encouraged me to she you know was like it's your decision if you want to press charges but i brought you here so that there's evidence in so that you can if you want to so you know the cops came in and took my statement and all that i had to go to the police station the next day and give another statement and so this is crazy so i didn't end up hearing back about the dna results for over two years what yeah so they were like they told me at the very beginning like this is not going to be like an episode of law and order svu where we get the results right away like it's going to be a little bit and i was like oh okay by the time i got the results i had already went through a whole pregnancy had my son i turned 18 and then they called me into the police station and so i went in and they were like we got the dna results back and the person that you said it was it was and i was like okay And they were like, but we're really sorry. There were two others that we couldn't identify. Oh, my God. And I had had no idea. Oh, Oh my God. I am so sorry. So he ended up, uh, he ended up pleading guilty and he got, I think he ended up staying there like 18 months, but he's out now. He lives pretty close to me. I haven't had any contact with him. He's never tried to contact me or anything, thank God. And uh, Was this person like the same age as you in high school too? Or was this somebody, like, did he go to your high school? He went to a high school in my district. Um, we didn't go to the same high school, but what's interesting is that He used to be really good friends with the first ex that raped me. So there was kind of a connection there. And I don't know if it was ever like talked about or they were just both really creepy people. I was 15 and he was 17, but he was tried as an adult or charged, excuse me, as an adult. I got lucky there that he wasn't tried like as a juvenile, you know, and then I found out afterwards because I got loud with it on like Facebook, like, I don't know, a couple of years ago. And I was like, you know, this is what happened to me and whatever. I'm just very open about this stuff. And um, so many girls messaged me and had similar stories about the same people, which was really 
really crazy. Oh my gosh. So that's why I've like kind of gained a voice in this because I just think it's so important to talk about this stuff when other people are like suffering in silence for the same things, you know? Absolutely. um, Yeah. There's so much power and like Tara and I talk about this often. Like there's so much power in like owning your story, even like the worst, darkest times in your story. The fact that you can now use that moment as something to help somebody else get through something like they're suffering through, like it's amazing that you're able to share your story that way. And you're giving these girls a voice. Yeah. I think that's like the most rewarding and like the best part of it. When you go through something traumatic, the biggest thing, whether you like talk about it out loud or not, the biggest thing you internalize is just like, God, I'm really in this alone. Like no one could possibly be feeling what I'm feeling right now. In reality, there are so many people that feel that. But like to hear it from like someone that you know, especially, you know, is just, I feel like just so important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So in the meantime, this after this situation happens, obviously two years goes by before mm-hmm. you find out the results. But in that two years, what was life like for you then? The aftermath of this all. Um, I was 15 when it happened. Uh, I left high school immediately and I started going online. So I ended up graduating with my diploma still, but I started online. So life became very different. So I was 16. I was working 40 hours a week. I was going to school still online. Um, And then I started dating. He was great. We lived together. He had moved in with us. Everything was going really well. And then I get a call. My dad was like, I need you to come home. And so I said, okay. And so I come home and he was like, uh, Papa died. And Papa, to backtrack, was like my knight in shining armor. He literally was the best person of my whole life. I will never love anyone more than I loved him. He, as far as we knew, had just like died in his sleep. And that was hard, you know, because I was like, wow, I'm like never going to see my best friend again, you know. And that was a lot to like swallow. A couple days went by. And the case turned into a homicide. And I was just like, what are the chances? Like, what are the chances of this? You know, as you guys know from my mom's podcast, like, we've had murders in the family before. And, like, I've never dealt with death as a... I've never lost anyone naturally. Just put it that way. My dad died by suicide. My aunt was murdered. My grandpa was murdered. And I was like, is this really happening? I didn't think of it as, like... A, I don't want that to come across as like, I thought like, oh my God, this has all happened to me. I've dealt with all of this. Like that wasn't my mindset. My mindset was, oh my God, this is what someone I care about went through in their last moment. Yeah. And I was just kind of like the strong one in that time. Not that the people around me weren't, but I felt like I needed to be the one that like didn't cry. And I needed to be the one that like held it together at like the wake and the funeral. And I remember going to the guy who did it. I remember going to his court date and it was just so surreal, like sitting there in the same room as this person. And that's the last time I saw him alive before he like killed himself in jail. And it was like really insane because it was, it was all, it all just happened so fast. I don't remember what I felt during it. I just remember when everything calmed down, I didn't know how to handle any of it. Like, I felt like I was doing really good in the moment. Like, I was, like, strong and ready. And, like, you know, I was, like, I got this. I got everyone around me. So that was in November. And uh, then in uh, February, stuff was just, like, really bad. And I was, like, you know what? Screw this life thing. I don't want to do it. I give up. And um, so I tried to kill myself. And uh, it didn't work, obviously, because I'm here. <laughs> um, but um, it, did, it wasn't successful. And um, I ended up pregnant with Jackson two months later. 
Oh my goodness. He's just been like my absolute lifesaver for sure. Yeah, becoming a mom saved my life without a doubt. I had mentioned that my boyfriend had moved in with us when I was like 16. He is my child's father. I did my pregnancy alone. We hadn't been together when I got pregnant. We actually had broken up. We weren't living together anymore and uh, got pregnant with Jackson. Uh, He wasn't He wasn't a part of it. And that was really, really heartbreaking for me. And I was still at a point in time where I was so scared and confused. Like I had just tried to kill myself. Like I still wasn't at a point where I was able to like really handle much emotion. And then I get pregnant and I'm like, oh my God. And then I did it alone because he just, um, so to give a little bit of background, his dad is a drug addict. He was in and out like my whole pregnancy. Um, um, He ended up getting sober when I was seven months pregnant, uh, but he ended up relapsing by the time Jackson was like three months old. He hasn't really been around um, kind of on and off when he has been around. He it's been nothing but trouble. And, you know, Jackson's five now and he only remembers meeting his dad like a couple times. So I've kind of done that on my own. Um, He doesn't live in the state anymore. I'm like truly just doing this thing (laughs) by myself. And luckily, you know, with with my mom's support and I have, um, you know, Jackson's other grandparents, they're super supportive as well. Well, and that like to to go back a little bit, I mean, obviously killing yourself is never the answer, right? But like as a young kid, the things that you had to go through to be raped multiple times and then your grandfather is murdered. Even previous to that, you had been diagnosed with bipolar, something that you were just figuring out how to maneuver. It's it's so unfortunate that like that's how hard life can get sometimes, right? That like people feel like there's no other option. It's such a surreal feeling to be to the point where you just don't care, you just want to die. You you wouldn't know it unless you've been there. And then once you've been there, it's like, God, I never want to get back to that point. And I like I said, Jax has like totally saved my life. But that doesn't mean I haven't backtracked and gone back to those thoughts and like had those thoughts still. So like earlier this year, for example, um, in January, I started having suicidal thoughts again. And I was like, okay, I can do one of two things. I can leave Jax the way my dad left me or I can get help. So I checked myself into a mental hospital. I spent five days there and then I spent seven weeks in their outpatient program. I got my meds right and I became open with my feelings, really the for like honest with my feelings about myself and everything I'd been through. And like, I allowed myself to be angry. You guys, I really think that that was like the turning point for me was because I was never angry through everything I went through. I was never angry. I didn't say like, oh, it's okay. But there was just something in my head that was like, just so accepting. Like, this is my life. This is what I was meant to go through. Those were really the extent of the feelings I had about it. And it wasn't until I started really talking about like the trauma and everything. And I would see my like counselor's reactions and the people around me's reactions. And I was like, you know, and I had a counselor tell me like, it's okay to be mad at these people. And I was like, Oh, and it it sounds so silly because you'd think that like anger in those things, that would be your first response, right? But I I just wasn't angry. Yeah, your body does different things, I feel like, to protect you. And so it's like your own body was like preventing you from feeling all the feelings. And that's how you were getting by. And then once you got to that moment where you were able to finally feel all the feelings, then it was like, okay, now I can accept and start to heal. 
Exactly. I went through, you know, a, a big healing, big part of my healing was I sat my parents down. I was like, you know, I want to admit to you guys, like I tried to kill myself before I had Jackson. And like, they had no idea. When I tried to kill myself, I uh, took a bunch of pills and I drank a bunch of like alcohol and I ended up throwing up. So uh, everything that I ingested came out and I was not successful. So as far as everyone around me, they were like, oh, she was just trying to get like messed up. You know, like she was just, she just took it out of control. She was just trying right. to drink or whatever. Sure. The only person I told was like a coworker. And I went into work the next day and I was like, dude, I like tried to kill myself last night. And I just remember seeing it so nonchalantly. And I never, I never, we're still friends. And he just told me like last year how badly that like affected him and I like had no idea because I was just so like blase about everything in life because everything in life felt so I don't know like it all just blended together you know I sat my parents down and a big part of my healing was telling them you know I tried to kill myself and a big part of my healing was telling them that I was um I was sexually abused when I was five I had never told my parents and I like told them then just being like open and honest about Everything that I'd been through was so healing for me. When you were five, Lexi? Like, you're just a baby. Yeah, I was my son's age. And I, so I just look at him and I just, it just makes my heart so sad. It was, again, one of those things, like, I didn't know that it was wrong or that it was anything to have, like, feelings about until I was so much older. And I, like, thought back to it and was like, wait a minute, that was really weird. I just feel like the biggest part of my, like, growing from all of this and, like, maintaining my, like, sanity in all this is just how open and honest I have learned to be with all that I've been through and being open about talking about it and being open to the way that people, you know, like, therapists and counselors suggest that I like cope and things like that you know just being open to treatment has been it's changed my life for sure well and that's another thing Tara and I have talked about too is like so many people I feel like it's finally changing but like so many people like associate this negative connotation with therapy that's what we should be doing is helping each other and building each other up and making sure that we're offering the right support to the people in our lives instead of making them feel like there's something wrong with them for wanting to be better and help themselves on this journey, right? Exactly. I mean, your mental health is just as important as every other piece of your health. It's just as important as your physical health or your spiritual health. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And like my mental health has always been the biggest like struggle for me. And I'm so lucky that like, I don't know, it sounds kind of silly, but like, I'm so lucky that my mom understands because she has it. And I mean, I don't wish that upon anyone that they have it, but I'm very fortunate to have a mom who's so willing to like help me because she gets yeah. it. And I'm just like really grateful for that. Who under, well, she understands you and recognizes like, this isn't your fault, you know, like over right. everything else, this is not something you asked for. Like you're doing the yeah. best that you can with what you've been handed. Honestly, I, the fact that you are 23 years old and you've already done a large part of the healing process is huge. That's so amazing that you are where you're at already, you know? And like the fact that you're so open and honest about your story to help empower other people to recognize that it's okay that they might need help and that you're there for them because you understand is, it's so admirable. Thank you. Now that I'm on like this side of things, I just want to be the person that I needed. 
You know? Oh, absolutely. Yes. I understand that 100%. Yeah. Yeah. In like every scenario, like you can come to me with almost, I mean, I'm not saying I've been through the worst right. of the worst and I haven't been through, you know, but I, I don't compare that way. And I just try and relate to people in the best way I can. And when people come to me, I just, I, yeah, I just want to be the person that I needed. And that's why I do stuff like this. And I appreciate you guys, you know, having me on for something like this because it's, it's really cool. Absolutely. Well, and now, like, that's what I was going to say. So, like, now you're killing it. I mean, you got an apartment on your own with Jackson, and, like, you are doing it. It's amazing to come yeah. to this point, you know? Like, it's – I don't yeah, I don't even know that, like, anybody ever go, comes full circle. You know what I mean? Like, I think that we're always in a state of – Right. Are you ever healed? You know, like, you have to continue to work on who you are as an, in, an individual your yeah. entire life because – you always should be striving to yeah. be better, oh, yeah. right? I mean, and your life changes so much. Situations change, things change, and things you thought wouldn't affect you anymore or that didn't never did come up. It's something you constantly have to work on. You yeah. know, it's funny you say that. Like when I sort of go back to when I told my parents about the suicide attempt and the abuse when I was younger, and my dad was like, you know, telling me that he learned through my mom's therapy, you can't heal from something that happened like you know, if we're looking at everything in chronological order, something that happened like third, fourth, fifth, if you haven't dealt with like what happened in first and second place. I never knew that. I don't know. I guess I never thought of it that way. But when he told me that I was like, okay, something clicked, you know, and then I went back and I was like, okay, I need to like process this one by one. I can't process this as a whole because it's too much. First, then I look at, okay, the abuse when I was younger. How do I deal with that? What are my feelings? Okay, next, move on. You know, and that takes time and time but you know that's kind of the way that I had to look at it and I looked at everything as it's each own individual thing and I really was honest with myself about the feelings I had about each individual event through the past few years I've just gotten to the point where I'm so non-judgmental of my own feelings when I was younger it was always why am I feeling this way I shouldn't feel this way you know, I should be stronger than this I can get through it that sort of mindset I, but you don't heal from that mindset you don't heal from feeling, you know, seeming like you don't have any feelings about it. And it took me a long time to be like honest with my feelings and to be like, it's okay to feel like this. Like you went through some hard shit. It's okay to feel like this, you know, and just giving myself like grace and giving myself credit for what I had done and what I had been through and what I had survived. And then it was like, you know what? Okay, I can, I can do this, you know, but it, it took me literally until like this year. Like this year has like changed my life. Gosh, Lexi, you are an amazing oh, human you. being. Like yeah. amazing human being. I mean, you put so much hard work in. You're so young. <laughs> yeah. And like you and like I mean, I know Kim already said this, you you don't really come full circle, but I mean you're as close to coming full circle, I think, as you could yeah. get at this point. Yeah. All these things that have happened to you and you put in all this hard work and you're turning it all around and trying to be a voice for other people. That is so remarkable. What advice would you give someone who has survived significant trauma? Talk about it. Be honest with the people around you, with people that you trust. And it doesn't have to be like, you know, there are certain people in your life you can't tell that stuff to, you know, because they might be, they might blame or things like that. But find someone you can be honest with. And if that does mean seeking out a therapist and that's out of your comfort zone, like do it. And, you know, just be honest with that person and be honest with yourself. Just allow yourself to feel all of the feelings. It's okay to just unapologetically lay in bed 
and just feel all the feelings. Absolutely. Do you have any regrets? No, not one. Amazing. Everything that I have gone through has led me to be exactly the person that I'm supposed to be right now. And I'm tremendously grateful for that. It's always my favorite part when we ask somebody that question and that's what your your answer is, is because like that means that you love yourself. That's the coolest part about it. And I think that's the whole point of this podcast is to show people that like no matter what you've gone through, you get to still love yourself. You know, going through trauma is even more reason to love yourself. And you don't believe it at the time, but like it's even more reason to just love and appreciate your body for what it has gotten you through and your mind for what it has been there for you through it's just it's just time to like appreciate yeah that's the way I look at it what have you learned about yourself going through this entire process what haven't I learned I think the biggest thing I surprised myself with was my resilience and um, when I was in the hospital this year I got it tattooed on my arm just to remind myself that it's like my body and my mind have been through so much and I'm still here. And that is just so cool, you know? And so I guess my resilience is the biggest thing I've like learned and surprised myself with. Yeah. Rock on. That's amazing. What do you hope the takeaway is of your story for our listeners? That it's okay to seek help. It's okay to have your days where you don't want to get out of bed. You can't shower. You can't brush your hair or your teeth. It's okay to have those days, but don't allow yourself to like drown in those days for too long. You know, whatever it is, if you need to like Google, you know, local support groups, or you need to look up coping skills or, you know, whatever, whatever the case is, like do something to help yourself. And even if in the moment you're forcing like tooth and nail yourself to like get out of bed, like just do it, you know, just make yourself breakfast. And if that's all you did for the day, that's all you feel good about. And you lay in bed the rest of the day. That's cool. But Hey, you made breakfast. You know, that's great advice. You got to celebrate the the small stuff. You know, you celebrate the the mac and the cheese mac and cheese that you have in the cabinet. And you're grateful for that one day, and then you could be grateful for something bigger the next day. What has been the hardest part about your journey? I would go through everything that I've been through over and over again if I never had to know what it was like to raise a child with a drug addict, to like raise a child alone. It's been the biggest milestone. It's been the biggest learning experience. And I don't regret it. I'm grateful for the situation that I'm in because I couldn't have a better relationship with Jax. But I would say getting pregnant young with someone who also wasn't ready and who never became ready was probably the hardest part because I see the way that it affects my son And that hurts more than like anything that can be done to me, you know? Anything. Yes. Well, Lexi, your story has obviously not been easy to share, but I am more than confident that people will absolutely be inspired by your resilience, by your ability to own your story and you using your voice to empower other people. Before we let you go, we just have a few fun pop questions for you. Justin Bieber or Justin Timberlake? Justin Timberlake. Me too. If you were a superhero, what would your power be? Teleportation, because I hate driving. (laughs) That's a great one, though. That is. If you could meet anyone living or dead, who would it be? Post Malone or Simon Cowell. Oh, wow. Yeah, Simon Cowell is my dream dinner date. No way. Really? That's awesome. Yeah. Um, all right. How do you feel about pineapple on pizza? Uh, my favorite. Really? All right. 
I don't get it. If you could have an endless supply of anything, what would it be? Culver's cheese curds. You're my soul sister. We love You are this. speaking our language. Well, uh, Lexi, we can't thank you enough for sharing your story with us. You are so inspirational. It's absolutely amazing how you were able to take your own trauma, your own pain, and turn it into a voice for so many other people. Thank you so much for being unapologetically you. Thank you. We're so happy you joined us, and we hope this story inspired you to be unapologetically you. Join us next time for another remarkable journey. And if you or someone you know has a story to share, please reach out to us on our website at unapologeticallyyoupodcast.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and Instagram at Unapologetically You Podcast. And please subscribe, rate, and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podbean so that we can continue to inspire you.